and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying's the big one. But right now, many people are experiencing a host of other problems, domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, and family bullying. And, you know, often when I speak with people, I discover that they seem to be having trouble with those that are closest to them, like their parents or their siblings. People are angry and bitter and just don't realize that there's a choice. And it can be just as easy to develop love, joy, peace, and patience as it is to be angry and vengeful. This podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and to offer some ideas on how to balance the physical, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual areas of their life. But make no mistake about it, we're Anti-Bullying 101. So it's truly my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Well, folks, right now, uh, I am thrilled to be doing another interview with uh, a a person who is just a quality person. I've read everything about her. I am thrilled to have her on the show. Um, And that's Dr. Uh, Kate Lund. And She's a a licensed clinical psychologist of 17 years. She's a peak performance coach, best-selling author, and she's she's a TEDx speaker. And, you know, growing up is tough enough. But when you grow up with hydrocephalus and and you kind of take the ordinary out of your childhood, Kate had a pretty tough time. She had surgeries, doctor's visits relentless recovery periods, and these things almost became her new norm. But through it all, one thing kept her thriving, and that's the power of resilience in extraordinary circumstances, building her life around finding incredible possibility on the other side of challenge has kept her driven and ultimately helped her find her true calling. And Dr. Lund, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I really appreciate it. I am so excited to have you uh, on the show. And I have to publicly thank you uh, for your patience with me as I went through, and my listeners know I had quadruple bypass. I mean, I did a whole podcast on it. But thank you for being patient with me. The phone call I had with you was remarkable. And I could just tell in your voice that you cared about me. And I really do appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that, that yes, I, I care very much. And I'm so, so glad that you're, you're recovering and you've recovered so well. Really, really happy for you. Yeah, we did, we did four miles today. So that's good. Uh, awesome. We were, we're out walking and we're in pretty good shape. So thank you for your, your love and understanding. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. What are like some of the things that came out of your experience uh, as a hydrocephalus child? I mean, what are some of the things that came out of it? Yeah, you know, it's a a really good question. You know, many, many things came out of it. Um, 
you know, it, it was hard, as you mentioned, it was really, really hard, challenging, but, you know, some good came out of it too, because it, it really helped me to appreciate my own unique context and appreciate what I could do within that context. And I think that's been a really important sort of theme moving, moving through my life. Not that I don't love and appreciate my relationships with peers and, you know, all the people out there, because I certainly do. That's very, very important to me, but I don't compete with them. I really, I think as a result of my early experiences developed a strong internal locus of control, a strong sense of kind of what I'm capable of within my own unique context and kind of move forward in that way with a lot of support, a lot of support. I had a lot of folks around me, my parents, my teachers, the parents of friends, um, all of those things were really, really vital um, in the, in the whole experience in early, early years. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's almost as if, and I'm going to say this because you, you did have a medical condition. It's almost as if you didn't have a choice. You had to work to rise above everything. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's actually a really good point because that's another thing that I really gained from those early experiences that serves me very, very well still today. I learned sort of the value of hard work, of perseverance, of having a challenge put in front of me and figuring out a way around that challenge. Um, you know, I, I missed a lot of school. So in order to keep up academically, I had to make up a lot. I had to learn to overcompensate. And that sort of habit or what have you of overcompensating caused me to just simply work harder. And that has really served me in good stead over time. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, um, I have three daughters. One's 33, one's 27. And then we have an adopted daughter who's 12 uh, from Ethiopia. Mm. And um, she has uh, blossomed as a 12-year-old. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and involved uh, with uh, activities in school, uh, cheerleading, um, uh, different... Uh, has developed different friendships with a host of different people, but through it all, even though an honor roll student, uh, we went to Florida with a cheerleading team. She still made the honor roll. Uh, everything was just great, but through it all, there's something that seems to be like a common thread with our kids today. And that is number one, my, they all, and I'm saying this because she's, I, I noticed this, there's always seems to be a relationship problem. And the, through the relationship issue, there's just inability to regulate your emotions and tolerate the frustration that goes along with stuff that just seems to rub you the wrong way. Like I didn't get invited over to a friend's house, uh, and three of my friends did, and I and I was the one that was left out, and that ends up putting her in a position where she feels almost uh, like betrayed by a bunch of friends. And how do you help kids manage those emotions? Yeah, you know, that is such a difficult scenario, and it's a scenario, as you mentioned, that really plays out, you know, with so many of our kids. It's just sort of a 
thing that happens and it's not easy on any, any level. Um, you know, first thing is we want all of our kids, regardless of sort of social challenges or other challenges to be creating, um, ways to navigate their emotions, to tolerate the frustrations by practicing some sort of, a um, mindfulness practice or, have something in their life that helps them to modulate their stress response, to bring them down to sort of an even baseline so that when a challenge hits, they're able to take a step back and assess what's happening in the big picture. Of course, this is happening on a developmental continuum. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, at age 12, you're able to start doing that um, such that you can kind of see the bigger picture and understand that, all right, you know, there's more out there for me than that one play date or that one sleepover or what have you. But that still doesn't take the hurt away. You know, it's it's a very, very um, challenging scenario. One that, one that I experienced many times myself. Mm-hmm. As parents, we want to be open to hearing what that experience is like. We don't want to try to jump in and fix it per se. But we want to understand what our children or our child is thinking in that scenario and help them find ways to bolster their sense of self despite not getting invited or, you know, whatever the the challenge might be. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. That's a great point because I I know that the the frustration you could see it all over their face when when it happens. And the the I don't know whether it's anger, frustration tension what it is but the bottom line is it seems to be written all over them and you try to head it off at the pass you know to keep it from expanding and getting worse and worse uh and and then all of a sudden you it, the thing ends up leaking out and she ends up having like a little bit of a meltdown so yeah. i i can understand that very well uh i know when i was a kid and and my old if my youngest daughter was here right now she'd cringe because this is like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, one of those things, um, we, there was always this, I don't know if it was a fear of making a mistake or a fear of embarrassing yourself or fear of not having the skill that some other kid may have. But I had a lot of fear of trying something new. Mm. Uh, uh, like uh, afraid to the point that I would, um, I, I, I would avoid things. I, I would just, you know, stay away from it. And one day my father got a hold of me and he said to me, are you going to try out for little league? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got on the field and the guy, and the, one ball was thrown to me and it hit me right in the face. Oh no. And, um, he saw it and he said to me, don't let that stop you. You know, you know, you're going to stay here and you're going to do it. And, you know, baseball became one of the most beautiful things in the world to me. Oh, that's I, amazing. I love that. I, I love the game. I played semi-pro. I worked hard to try and develop my skills. And I think sometimes we don't push kids enough. What do you, but how do you help? You know, the, the key word with me with bullying, especially with victims, is resilience. And I mm-hmm. see that all through your literature. 
Yeah. But how, how can we help kids who are afraid? I mean, they're afraid to go to a, a, a club. They're afraid to go to a dance. They're afraid. And I think it's very difficult to even develop any form of empathy or uh, understanding of anyone else when most of our most of their communication is very virtual. Right. Uh, so it's it's difficult to do. So how can we help kids and keep them from shutting down and help them to develop the the resilience to be able to step out and go try new things? Right. Yeah, that's such an important question and such an important point that you make. And I love the way you know, you were, you were fearful to get on the baseball field. You had a hard experience, but you stuck in it, you know, with the encouragement of your father. And I think that's exactly what we need to help our kids to do, to move out of their comfort zone. And that's not going to look the same for all kids, right? It might be a very, very slow process for some, might happen more readily, more easily for others. It's also this idea of you know, talking to our kids about the fact that trying something new can be really scary, sort of normalizing that experience. Mm -hmm. Also, helping them to understand that failure is inevitable. You know, things might not work out the first time out of the, out of the gate, but actually failure, and I fervently believe this, is a catalyst for teaching our kids to be resilient, for showing mm -hmm. them what they're capable of in terms of moving through and beyond challenge, you know, but most importantly to, you know, get up and move forward after a setback takes courage, strength, and perseverance, and it takes time to develop those things, mm -hmm. but we start to develop them as we take those small steps outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I uh, put in, I have my uh, book, Anti-Bullying 101, which has basically been the springboard for just about everything that I've done. Uh, it's, it's 101 anti-bullying tips. So one of the tips that I, I have in there is exactly what you're talking about. It is, we only have to be brave for two minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's yeah. all we have to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's, that's a great point. And another thing, you know, that I think is important for, for kids, for our kids to see is for us as parents to be transparent with our children about what our, you know, struggles have been in the past, maybe something we're struggling with currently, how we have sort of moved through in that and beyond that challenge, you know, particularly if that challenge falls without outside of our comfort zone, because mm -hmm. then kids will be able to see us as human beings and see that, okay, so things aren't always easy for mom or dad. And look, they got up and moved forward. And of course, again, this is happening on a developmental continuum. So, you know, young, young kids wouldn't be able to engage in that so readily, but you know, adolescents, preteens, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. Very important point. My name is Jim Burns. You're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I'm speaking with Dr. Kate Lund. Uh, she has specialized training in medical psychology, and she works with the world-renowned Shriners Hospital for Children in Boston. 
Massachusetts General Hospital and Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, all of which are affiliated with Harvard Medical School. And once again, I'll say it, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and a pleasure to be here. Well, and yes, thank you. I, I was looking forward to this for since I since it got canceled, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> how can we help kids believe in themselves? I mean, you know, you think about kids today uh, and they it's almost as if they, they, they sometimes they feel like failures uh, in terms of they, they do poorly on. I think it has a and I could be wrong, but I'll, I'll say this. I think it has a lot to do with reactions that they receive from others, uh, either from their parents or maybe from their peers. Uh, and they start to feel as if they, they just haven't got it. Uh, and I will be very frank with you, uh, Dr. Lund. One of the things that occurred uh, with me, many, first of all, I don't know how. I don't know how I got out of high school. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know one thing. Hmm. I, I was taking courses in Chinese literature, wood shop. And my, my father once again said to me, you're going to college. And I said, look, we were, I was raised over a bar. I said, I'll take the bar before I'll go to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says, you're going. I said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll apply to three schools. If I get accepted to any one of them, I'll go. So I applied to three schools and lo and behold, I got accepted into all three, nice. but I ended, I ended up getting accepted into a state school in, in, in New Jersey. And I went there and the very first semester I had a 1.0 cumulative average, no application, no nothing. I, I took with me the same failures that I had in high school. So <clears throat> I, I ended up, uh, running into some pretty neat professors and they got a hold of me and I ended up graduating with a 2.9 cumulative average. That's a lot of A's. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of A's. And, and, uh-huh. but it was because of the help with the help from others. Then yes. I went on to get a master's and so on. And then, and then one day I end up, I saw this, the, the suicide of Tyler Clemente back in 2011 or 2010. And I was already a college instructor at the time. And I said, I have to write a course on bullying. Mm-hmm. So I write, I write uh, the Bullyproof Classroom, which is taught at three different colleges in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania and Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the colleges got a hold of me and uh, they said to me, uh, you know, this work that you did here on this course is pretty good. He says, we'd like to award you a doctorate degree for it. Oh, wow. That's and I said to them, I said to them, you sure you want to do this? I says, I mean, I, I, I couldn't spell my name 30 years ago. I said, you, and you think this, this is good enough? He says, to, they, the guy said to me, Jim, yeah, we're going to do this. And I ended up getting a doctorate degree for something that I would have done for nothing. Wow. Uh, wow. And, but... I don't, it was the encouragement of others. Mm-hmm. It was the desire. It was, it was like, I felt, I felt as if I owed something to somebody 
because I see what's going on. And I did have answers at the time. Mm -hmm. I did have answers for this problem. So yeah. how can we help kids believe in themselves and believe in their potential and, and in their um, the possibilities that they have going forward in this world? Exactly. And that is such an important question, such an important point, such an important thing for us to do, as, as you just demonstrated by what you said. But first and foremost, the most important thing we can do is to believe in our children from a very foundational perspective, believe that there are possibilities for them out there, despite what, you know, what the challenges are, despite what the obstacles are. You know, all kids have strength, all kids have potential, and we need to believe in that potential and that strength at a very foundational level. You know, doesn't mean we don't have to address the challenges, because of course we do, um, but really believing at a foundational level and helping our kids to recognize the small successes along the way and not just focus on the things that went wrong or the things that could have gone, you know, better or what have you, but to see those small nuggets of success along the way, those small positive things that are happening day to day. And again, along a developmental continuum, start pointing those out, having conversations, understanding the experience of the child and helping to brainstorm with them on ways, angles that they can um, take to step out of their comfort zone, try new things and sort of build on that over time such that hopefully that momentum will pick up and a sense of self-belief, a sense of appreciation for their <clears throat> own unique context will start to come into focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not a one size fits all by any means, you know, really needing to look at, you know, the individual child, who they are, where are their strengths, where are their liabilities, and how to kind of put all of that together in moving forward. But that belief in the child, that belief from the outside is a really important catalyst in helping the child then to believe in themselves from the inside out. Mm -hmm. That's a great inside out. That's a beautiful, that's exactly where they need to start, I believe, anyway. And you make it, you make a very good point. Uh, you're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and we're talking with Dr. Kate Lund. Uh, she is a peak performance coach, and she uses uh, a strength-based approach to help her clients improve their confidence in school sports and, and in life. What is a strength-based approach? You know, it's really looking at what's right before we look at what's wrong. It's really sort of um, helping to build on what's already going pretty well. Mm -hmm. and make it stronger such that then it's easier to manage through and address challenges. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at what's right first, as opposed to what's wrong, which is sort of that model flipped on its head. Got it. Okay. So we're, we're trying to build off of the strengths rather than try to deal with some of the stuff that may not be going too well. Right. Because if we start with trying to fix what's wrong, you know, 
the the possibility of getting stuck there um, mm -hmm. is very real. And then, you know, you're not able to recognize and build on the strengths and what's going right. And particularly important for kids who are, you know, building that foundation to move through and beyond challenge for them to internalize what their strengths are. What are they good at? How can they use that to their advantage to manage all of the challenges around them, all of the day-to-day -day challenges that they, they might be facing? So that's mm. why that's why that that approach is is very important. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, and and I think it goes along the lines of something like if we give kids a re uh, if we give kids, um, I, I believe there's reasons for a lot of things, mm -hmm. but if we if we're not careful, we could convert those reasons into excuses. And I think when you have a strength-based approach, you you let them know what's going right, so they can't excuse a bunch of stuff and say, "Well, the only reason I can't do it is because." Exactly. So I, I see your point, and it's it's well taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that's I, very very important because we don't want kids to fall back on their challenges as excuses not to try, not to do something. Um, that's outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, we absolutely don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. To you, what does it mean to be resilient? Yeah, so to me, what it basically, you know, at a very foundational level means this ability to get back up when things don't go right the first time, to move through and beyond challenge, to believe in possibility, to recognize what's possible, you know, both in the immediate as well as um, longer term to set goals, go after them, mm -hmm. believe that those goals can be achieved. Mm -hmm. Belief in yourself, mm -hmm. belief in yourself for sure. Uh, and that's the biggest thing I think we have to work on with anyone who was victimized is give them the ability to bounce back. Right. Um, so, because you know what, the world is tough enough. And, exactly. and, if, and if you're going to end up resting on all kinds of failures and reasons, I think you're going to have a rough time of it. But resiliency is the key. It, it is absolutely true. You know, and it, and I, it, I apologize. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to make one other point related to sort of resilience at a foundational level. It takes self-awareness too, right? We want kids to understand how they're feeling in terms of setbacks, challenges, and then understand how they're feeling in terms of moving through and beyond them. So that self-awareness piece, that ability to self-monitor is very important as well. A big piece of it. Yes. So self-monitoring, that's, is that the same? Is that, would that be the same as self-regulating or no? Um, well, self-regulating is really about kind of modulating your response to things, whereas mm. self-monitoring is more, you know, uh, monitoring or being aware of how you're feeling about things before um, you react. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. My name's Jim Burns. We're talking to Dr. Kate Lund. Uh, wow. I'm looking at, the, you have twin boys. Mm -hmm. Twin yes. boys. How old, yes. How, old, yes, how, old are they, how old are they? Uh, they are 15. They keep you busy. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I can't even tell you. Yes. Um, my husband and I are driving their, they are, they're rowers. They're both rowers and um, they row for different teams. And so <laughs> the pickups in the evenings after practices are kind of late. And then we're rushing home to make dinner and chaos. They're both very um, kind of, they're in academically challenging schools. They're in different schools because they're very different kids. That's a whole nother piece of it. But, um, you know, yeah, they're keeping us on our toes. Great kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's your golf handicap? <laughs> My golf handicap. It's coming down, <laughs> Jim. It's coming down. <laughs> golf is a golf is a passion for me. Um, but, uh, has, haven't, um, haven't been uh -huh. been shipping away at my handicap as I would like, but you know what? I've got I've got big goals around that this this summer. Mm -hmm. Are you, you a go. are you a golfer? Well, you know, I I did play. I had uh, here here's what happened. Once again, my father always had me involved with skating, uh, um, uh, sleigh riding. Uh, it didn't matter. He he would get. He was. He died very young. He died at sixty. He died at my age, which is why I kept track Ooh. of my health. Oh boy! And yeah. uh, and so I was only twenty one. So when I was twelve, he was about fifty eight. And he took me uh, sleigh riding, uh, skating, golfing. He always had me involved in physical activity. Mm, I, I, nice. That's all I can tell you. So he takes me to the driving range when I'm like fifteen, and I could. You know, I could drive the ball pretty well. Uh, and then when I made the, I took the leap to get onto a course, Kate, you know, I couldn't get off the fairway. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't know how to use a wedge. I needed lessons. And I did take a few lessons, but uh, I, I decided that uh, I had a beautiful set of clubs and there was a young up-and-comer uh, who I knew his dad and he was always driving golf balls. And I says, here, take this set of clubs. And he, he took them and I'm glad that they found a good home and he's probably using them to his advantage. So that's good. That's all good. But awesome. I do love, I do love the game. And I watch, I watched the Honda classic on TV this weekend. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Kate, I am going to give you the floor to, it, it's just, say anything you want about where we can find you what are how we can get you if we want you to come and speak uh what we can do to um support you anything you want any websites you share it all right now all right sure thank you jim um so you know the best place to find me to learn more is my website which is www.katelundspeaks.com and so there you'll find information about my parenting course, my book, my speaking engagements, that sort of thing. Um, would love to come and speak uh, either virtually or live anytime. And uh, I guess one other thing to note is my podcast, which I just recently started um, called The Optimized Mind through the Mission Matters Podcast Network. And that is available. Actually, there's a link to it on my website, but it's also available, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all mm -hmm. of the platforms. Mm -hmm. Okay. That sounds great. Kate, you're doing great work. You are doing smashing work. Uh, I, I loved speaking with you. I, I put in a request with you to have a short conversation with you over the phone after the interview. Is that okay? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you want to call me? I, yes. I will not 
be any more than five minutes, I promise you that. Um, and it has been an absolute joy speaking with you. Well, I, like, I, can't, I can't even tell you. Likewise. I really, really enjoyed this, Jim. And thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you, Kate. And I, I wish you all the best professionally and personally. Thank you. Likewise. Okay. See you later. All righty. Sure. Bye. Bye. Everybody, I hope you liked that interview. My name is Jim Burns. If you would like to be on Anti-Bullying 101 and tell your story, just drop me a line. James H. Burns, 55 at gmail.com. Send me any particulars about what you'd like to talk about, and we'll see if we can get you on the show. That's James H. Burns, 55 at gmail.com.